sad fact is everyone just missed one of the greatest uh, intros into actually meeting each other for the first time. And I hate when that happens. I always tell myself, just hit record. Don't even worry about it. You can cut it out because that shit was gold. And it was gold because I'm getting to connect with someone in a different way who I've seen from afar, who I've learned from afar, who I've admired from afar, and most importantly, in my opinion, just saying, respected from afar. And to get to sit across from people like that for the first time and actually see the person who is on the other side, who is actually who they say they are, walks like, talks like, and acts like, it's just a really uplifting, powerful, positive feeling to have. And like I said to you before, I'm stoked you're on the show, but you said something to me and I'm just kind of sitting in that still. And I'm just really, I'm really happy you're here, man. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I know my schedule's been a bit of a nightmare, but man, I'm I'm happy to be here. That's okay, dude. Everyone has something and stuff happens. And when you called me the last time, I was really fine with it. And I meant it in the truest sense because you were out doing exactly what you and I both preach to people on a very deep level, which is taking time for yourself, connecting with nature, being present and doing the work. And the difference between you saying those things and telling others to do it is seeing you actually do it. So when you're like, Hey, I got to postpone. I'm like, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't take time to sit with me. I would rather have you gone out and done what your soul and heart and everything inside of you needed than just force an interview because you said you would do something. I'm so stoked that like this worked out again. So no worries, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it was a, it was a much needed trip. I get, you know, the creative side of me, which is the part that I really love. I mean, I, I'm a creative that's a bit masquerading, trying to figure out business and everything else. Mm. Um, mm. And to get refilled with the creative side, I need life to go a little bit off the rails. And okay. what I mean by that is, uh, more present, right? Like it's less of a Disney ride where I know how today's going to work out. Like mm. even in my regular life and regular routine, like I'm going to a place, I'm accomplishing task and the next day looks similar, right? They're new task, and I am pushing forward, but it's still at the same location, seeing the same faces, doing the same shit. And look, you don't get anywhere without consistency. That's part of the deal. And right. so occasionally when I need to punch out and take a vacation, me going to sit with my feet up on the beach and try to drink for a week seems horrible. <laughs> I need to go on an adventure and adventure to me is kind of into the unknown. And so I need to be on a, I need to be on some type of a thing where I don't really know where I'm sleeping that night. I don't know the exact plan and road trips have always been my favorite. There's a certain, there's a certain flow to a road trip of, so different than your regular life. Like I don't have to concern myself where I'm eating or sleeping today. I got that part dialed in, but when I'm on a road trip, that becomes different. And also we're on a motorcycle road trip and we don't really have room for stuff. So it's like, well, I know we're looking for a campsite. We better check to see if there's any food to purchase within an hour of camp instead of driving to camp and then not being able to have dinner. Mm -hmm. And so I love the waking up in the morning, finding a diner, hopefully have some service, decide which direction I'm going to go that day, see what I find. And then at some point, try to figure out which direction I should try to find a place to sleep. I like and, it. Uh, that refills me a lot. Is it, you think the challenge behind it, the unexpected, is it the not seeing the same faces or is it an all encompassing idea of just throwing yourself into the deep end and seeing if you could swim? 
I think there's a part of it for sure that's just pattern interruption, mm-hmm. right? That my normal thought patterns are thinking ahead and I'm trying to chase goals and focus on big picture stuff for my business or for my coaching group or branding or any of these other type of things. Whereas when I'm in that mode and my phone's not really working most of the day, my new problems to solve are very different. Mm-hmm. Like, where are we sleeping? Where are we going to find food? And there is an uneasiness that comes from that of not knowing, but also I've managed to sleep and find food every night of the rest of my life. So I imagine I'll probably figure it out today. Right. And also it's not like you're going to disappear. If you go one night, if I could probably eat. manage. I think I I'm, I'm not, I'm not running that lean. <laughs> you're not, uh, I don't know, man, you're pretty damn I'm not, tiny. I'm not a meal away from starvation. I promise okay. you. And now We laugh this all the time. Like, I'm never, I have no idea what's going to kill me. Right. Starvation is real low on the list. <laughs> it's not the one that's going to be the thing. There's a, there's a very few timelines in the infinite where starvation's what got me. Like a hot, like a bear will enjoy you for a hot minute oh, before he moves way on. better chance. <laughs> there's a better chance of a parachute not opening. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's intense. That's okay though. I think when you approach challenges with the mindset that it's all right, I'll be okay. You're always going to figure it out. It's the people that walk into situations like that or here lack of, they won't even walk into situations like that. It's those are the type of people that I find such a value when they listen to people like you, because they hear that it's okay to throw yourself in the deep end. It's okay to do these things and not have it all figured out. I think a lot of times people look at people like you and I'm going to very loosely group myself in with you very loosely, but kind of kind of that I'm, I'm into it. Cool. And I think what happens is they look at anybody in this space that's trying to do anything, change anything, uh, grow businesses, be podcasters, do everything all at once. And they go, well, they have to have it all figured out. There has to be a map. There has to be an answer because, or they wouldn't be able to be so successful at it. And I think showing them the other side of things, showing them that you can not have the answers, not have the path, but you have to take action to find the path. Hey humans, I know you've all been seeing me drink HVMN's Ketone IQ lately. This is a game changer, jet fuel in a bottle. I use Ketone IQ for everything in my life, whether it's running, cycling, podcasting, or just the extra boost that my brain needs. I won't lie, it helps push me to the next level in all things. I love Ketone IQ and what HVMN stands for. Go grab some shots today at hvmn.com and use the code BRASS20 and save. That's the difference. So I, the way I kind of look at that, right, and where I made the shift in my life was how many things I had set a limitation on or blocked myself from doing because I had already figured out some preconceived expectation about. Mm-hmm. Um, the more of those things I've tried, the more I realize I'm wrong most of the time. And so instead of now having any expectation about a thing, I have an intention of what I'd like to accomplish. And then that leaves the back end open-ended. I know the direction I'm going, but I don't necessarily care about the destination. Right. Whereas if I'm focused on destination and how I know this is supposed to go, this is what a trip's supposed to be made up on what man, Mm -hmm. if it's not made up on experience, it's a, it's an opinion. Mm, The experience says I'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. 
I think we have this idea that um, you just, you can't have, you can't have intention or expectation or these things. And I think when you're working with anyone who's trying to change their life, trying to improve their life, trying to find a path to their life or, or down the road, and now they're trying to really enhance their life. I think a lot of times when talking about expectation, it can become overwhelming very quickly and it sets people up to fail. And mm -hmm. I like the way that you discuss how you look at things because having an expectation, if somebody doesn't get it met, will mean that they failed at it. They did something wrong. But instead you look at preparation from an intention standpoint. And, I, and I'd love to talk to you about intention with you because intention is so important in every aspect of life, but it seems to be one of the most overlooked aspects of planning your life. How did that come to you? When did intention start to become an important factor and how did you bring it out in yourself? Um, so as an athlete with the background of doing the Highland games and getting better at sport, right? Like that's probably the first thing that clicks into place for me, you know, same with track and field before that, but athletics in general, this is where the first place I understood that the energy and effort I put toward a thing I got reward and response back from it. Um, mm -hmm. And so with those sports, right, like the destination would be how far I throw. The intention is to be the best thrower I can possibly be. And so if I'm following that intention, that keeps me giving a shit about training, caring about recovery, learning as much as I can to better myself to be the best athlete I can possibly be instead of letting my value as an athlete depend on where I place. Because that's a lot of things that are out of my control. Because there can just be freaks that show up that look, man, that's just how it works. You, you lose sometimes. Um, hmm. And none of that has anything to do with me. What has to do with me and how I value it is, was I outworked? You know, what were my intentions of getting into this sport and where they met? You know, as my sport came to an end, um, you know, none of this works real chronologically, but we all get there anyway. Yeah, but that's boring. I'm not looking for chronological. Time's made up anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, we're on the same page. So as my sport came to an end uh, at the end of 2016 due to an I had a nagging knee that needed to have an ACL surgery. I went in and did it and uh, it didn't go quite as planned. So I ended up with nine follow-up or eight follow-up surgeries and a total knee replacement at 36. Hmm. So prior, the last time I competed would have been in 2016 and I took second in the world and then was pretty quickly tossed out of that. You know, my, my expectations of this sport, you know, at this point, I've won two world championships, and I'm one of the top guys in the world. You know, the idea of retiring from the sport hasn't really poked its head onto the map yet. And I also have an idea of like, you know, when you retire, you like, I'll get to leave my shoes out there the way people have and have this moment and kind of walk off. And, you know, the older I'm getting, you know, do I want to compete as a master's? I have all these things I'm thinking of. And the truth is, it just fucking disappeared, man. I don't, you know, the last time I competed, I didn't know that was the last time it was going to be. And so being bitter on the back end of it, of a few things I didn't accomplish X, Y, and Z and those type of things, 
yeah, I could feel trapped in that mindset of like bitterness and not quite regret, but just, yeah, how dare things work out this way? Hmm. And um, as things pivoted and I found a better perspective on it, it was, you know, to switching to gratitude and abundance and realizing, you know, the intention I had of getting the sport was to see how absolutely far I could throw. I found out. I found out before the clock struck whatever time it was an injury showed up or whatever it was. And if I'm really honest with myself, man, I'm not walking off the field healthy anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have left while things were great, like an adult mature person. <laughs> no, I would have burned it down anyway. So done lying to myself about that piece of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I figured out, you know, I found that intention. The intention was to be the best, the best I could be. Um, and so kind of getting to look through that more and more in my life and where it applies, uh, I got really focused once I got hurt on time and Mm -hmm. how things end and chapters end and you don't know when they're gonna and how to make the most of life. My, uh, my father had passed away in 2014 due to pancreatic cancer. And it was like an 11 month fight from we got the information till he's dead. Jesus. And he passed away uh, at 62 um, the day before my 31st birthday. And so kind of getting to check in on that, I figured out a few things. One is that no matter what I do, there's a chance that's how it ends. That the way my life ends is I get sick, I shrivel up and fucking die, and there's nothing I get to do about it. And I get to spend some part of that, not just sick and dying, right? Because, you know, that's the machine failing. You know, that's my body failing. And your brain's all right in there. You're just trapped, which scares the shit out of me. I got a little taste of it being hurt. Um. And then the other side of that is the mind going, and that's worse to me. And so the way I looked at the other side of that was if that's the way there's a chance this whole thing's ending, I'm going to damn sure make the ride worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so looking at that and looking at what time is, is that's the only scarce commodity I've really got. I can buy other bullshit, but time, man, it's X minus one every day. And so looking at that 31 years and if that's the case that I'm halfway through my life of what my father's lifespan was, 1,612 weeks. What are you counting? At 31, I'm 40. That's 1,133 weeks as of Monday. I got a jar of marbles that I filled up and keep 1,612 marbles in when it started. And every Monday I pull one out. And I take a minute and I reflect on it, do a little journaling and take a look. And really the questions I have are, did I spend this doing things I'm passionate about, I'm interested in, I'm curious about, I want to learn and serving being the best version of myself? Or were they spent out of obligation doing a bunch of stuff I feel lukewarm on that I'm just supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Because either way, I put the marble in the trash. It's not right. more valuable to do it one way or the other. And if there's no risk and it always goes in the trash anyway, and both of these stories in the same place with me dead, fucks the risk of chasing my dreams. And brought to you by Mindful Meds. 
You guys have been seeing me take Mindful Meds for a little while now. Mindful Meds is a premium supplement company dedicated to supplying humans with the tools to improve their mental health, clarity, and performance, all while supporting their growth along the way. Whether it's the Immunity Blend, Lion's Mane, Inspire, or Voyage, all of their products are clean, tested, consistent, and they've become a huge help in my life. I found Mindful Meds over a year ago now, and I've never looked back. Go check out their website, mindfulmeds.io, and use the code BRASS at checkout. They all end the same way. Dead. So between here and now is where I get to write the story. And that's following intention is a really long way to get back to answering your question. Um, but that keeps me focused on what's my intention going forward instead of some expectation of my business needs to grow to be this or this needs to turn into something else. Like I'm just going to follow the intention. Oof! could you imagine if even a quarter more of our population followed intention? Look, I think the more and more I look at it, and as, as much as there's a sounding board and a megaphone trying to reach everyone, you know, being what you talk about is the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. If everyone would just worry about their shit, it all works out. You really only have to care about one person's, one person's bullshit. I feel like social media has created the best and the worst in so many different ways. And I think if used as a tool can be the thing that saves humanity, if continued used as a, a measuring stick or an ego filler, it's going to destroy all of us. <laughs> I see, I see though, I see the people that are taking it and using it as a megaphone in a way that is going to better people. I see it, it's visible, it shows. And that came back to like what I said to you at the very beginning of this, you very much speak the way you speak everywhere else. And I think that's the difference with a lot of people. You can want to be better in your life. You can want to be the accountability guy, the inspiration guy, the all of those things. But if you're not showing up 100% every day with that intention set, you're just a fucking talking head on Instagram that's not worth your salt at all. And let's be honest with ourselves. There are those people. And that's okay to say too. But when people are coming to you to learn about you, to grow from you, and not just you, your wife, it sounds like too, you have a whole community. And I want to talk about this community because community, in my opinion, is the thing that will save so many people. They will choose to stick around on the face of our planet if they could understand that community can be the thing they need to lean on instead of just deciding that they can do it all on their own. So talk to me about your community. So on the importance of community, right? Like if we look mm -hmm. at simple, what Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we, mm -hmm. you know, start at the base of it, that's food, water, shelter, you know, after that it becomes community, it becomes value. It becomes love. You know, the top of that list is once you get to self-actualization and transcendental, you know, whatever, you know, um, we're trying to skip the middle steps. You know, because of social media and because of these things, and we don't have to know our neighbors anymore for the most part. And most people don't, right? Because like I've, I'm not forced into the people around me. Right. But community is still a really, really valuable piece that we're missing. Like there needs to be this accountability in a community. There needs to be leaders. There needs to be, you know, people to, to be able to communicate with. Because otherwise, we've got cities full of people that are just living anonymously. Yeah, an anonymously. 
And through that, you of course you feel alone. You know, and the more that you're doing just all you're communicating online and going virtual with it, it's it's not the same. I mean, even this, we're having a conversation, and this is as good as we can do technology-wise currently. But like we're not making eye contact. I'm staring at a screen. My camera lens is two or three inches above where I'm looking at where your eyes are and vice versa. So we're never quite actually making eye contact in any of this. That's not the same as talking to someone in person. You know, we learned that 99% of communications done non-verbally anyway. And as we grow to be a more text-based society, of course that we keep separating. Of course we keep disconnecting. Of course we keep living in our own context of how we read those things and become more and more offended because when it's verbal or when it's text i read it in my time and i read it in the mood i'm in and if Mm. i'm someone that's living being attacked i read everything as an attack but when you talk to someone i make eye contact i can hear the tone of your voice i know what we spent the last 30 minutes doing and talking about for what context possibly this sentence came in and all these things. And if I'm around you and I know you and I know that you never would purposely say something to cut into me out of malicious intent, because if you did, we don't have to fucking ever communicate. So if I'm eliminating that, that means there's nothing really for me to get offended by that you could say. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of just the communication thing that we need in person communication. The other side of community. I got a really cool exposure to it. Um, in February, I got this really rad opportunity to go to Uganda with a, uh, a friend of mine, Justin Wren, and work with his charity to create some content about this property that they had turned over to the Batwa Pygmy tribe, um, this 50 acres with homes and fresh water that they've been working on for the last five or six years. And I mean, we're talking about people with nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, people that are at the peak of their luxury and they're living in a 30 by 10 brick concrete structure without any running water in it, without windows, uh, without electricity, but they do have water within like 200 yards of their house now, right? Yeah, I've never had to think about any of that in my existence. I've had running water since jump. I've had enough clean water access that I get to shit in it. It's, it's fucking crazy how abundant things are. And, and they, they celebrated one night we were there as we turned over the land rights. And I listened to this group of 160, 170 people, plus the locals from their area, which walked there, by the way. They partied from sundown at 7 p.m. until when it came back up the next morning, I woke up, there was still music going and people dancing. These people don't have running water. They don't have second sets of clothes but they're not lacking love and community and we are because when you have community, people feel valued and that's tough in a virtual world when you can just shut in and be alone, you know, being seen and being heard and feeling valued and feeling part of a community is huge for what it makes people feel, you know, how they, how they respect their own life. And you've got to choose the people you want to be around. That's the biggest advantage we have now is you're not stuck around, you know, with the Batois, right? They're not choosing that community. That's where they're born. But they do have all the love and sense of community and sense of value and purpose because of 
well, how simple their lives are. Mm -hmm. And then in our society, we have such a benefit of it is find people that, that mesh with what you want to be around. That's the beauty of the internet thing. The problem is staying in a virtual world with it. You've got to go. You've got to connect. You've got to get exposed to new people. If you just sit around and wait for the people to find you, that's not how any of it works. You've got to create that life. And community is such a big chunk of just, yeah, knowing who your, knowing who your brand of weirdos is. <laughs> and so, you know, I built this weird facility that I've got here in St. Louis. Uh, Dope is what it's referred to uh, or named as a Division of Performance Enhancement. And I built it for myself and my wife and my team to you know, have a place to train, have a place to shoot content so that we're not bugging someone else's gym as much as all of the misery that is doing that in a more public setting is. I've done <laughs> yeah. it long enough. I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> and so having a podcast studio, having this creative space. And um, at some point, we'd never really planned to let civilians in, I guess. And then we threw a Halloween party and had a great, great time. And uh, we've had the doors open ever since, basically. On Sundays, we open the doors 10 to 2 for open gym, sauna, cold. It's free. People come in, hold a conversation, and, you know, chat with people and get, your, get right for the week ahead. You know, do something other than disconnect and drink and sit around on the weekend stealing your energy. Go do something that actually refills you. Um, and it's been incredible having having opened that and seeing the people that have found it and gravitated toward it and what the community has become. Community is everything. And we've seen it over and over again, especially in the veteran space and moving outwards into the me stepping into more of the coaching and entrepreneurial space. I've seen it work wonders on people who don't have anybody else around, whether it's because they don't live near their family, their service members, they're transitioning out and they're trying to find their new space. It sounds like you're kind of throwing people a lifeline a little with that Sunday activity. And I've seen it with others who do similar things. Eric Hinman does this as well. Him and his, yeah. uh, his wife do that as well with cold and sauna and just exposure and, and getting people into new things. But I wish others would try harder to create community the way that some people are because there is groups for everyone although i do feel like sometimes it's very clicky and if you aren't able to find a solid safe spot the first time it can drive people away from trying again I, look there's got to be some accountability on the person mm -hmm. right and part of finding your group is it takes effort. Like you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and show up, you know, and that's why for, you know, for us, we make it as easy as possible. Doors are open. It's free. You know, here we are. Right. You know, come in. And we've had people show up and not talk to us the whole day. And we've had plenty <laughs> of people that hang out the whole day and it's, you know, it is what it is. I get to run a you know, cannabis consumption friendly workout space. And Sundays are lovely. And so, so, well, we were talking about that before, and uh, 
I'm glad you brought it up. Let's talk about, because you and I both being athletes going way back, um, mm. cannabis consumption, any sort of consumption that wasn't legal, although alcohol being allowed boy, to be we legal. Love it. Oh boy, do we ever love it. Let's just tangent on that for a second because athletes can drink during training. They can drink when they're active. They can do whatever and alcohol is fine. Completely never, fine. Never thought, yeah, totally thought of as normal. Totally normal. Can abuse the shit out of it. Police officers can go out drinking 12 hours before a shift and get absolutely obliterated and come back to work. And as long as they don't look hungover or like they have alcohol in their systems, they can go grab a gun I mean, and go to do work. Do they also, if they have a script for pain, are they allowed to work on prescribed Ooh, pain meds? That's a great question. Probably. I would think to I an mean, extent there would be an allowance of it. Look, I, I, I'm done believing there's good or bad drugs. There are chemical reactions in my body. It either has a favorable or unfavorable consequences. Choose mm. accordingly. Alcohol, I think it's a really weird one we've backed. I get it. Like over the course of civilization, right? That historically speaking, um, drinking water is not safe. But then drinking alcohol was safe because it's been boiled and fermented in these type of things. And so any of the bacteria is killed. We're just not smart enough yet to understand bacteria or don't have enough of a look in. So we don't get it. But that's why it got back. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. And so, so villages would form around bars or anything else. Um, and throughout history, we've just never went away from it. Makes I mean, it depends on how weird you want to get, right? Like if we want to switch to thinking like stone ape theory or any of that, but I don't know enough to really make the argument. Yeah, I don't think we need to go down that path. But my point in saying those things was you've got a plant-based healing modality that is, for the most part, non-addictive. You're not going to overdose on it. Yeah, I mean, psychologically, I would say, arguably. Yeah, I mean, if people I mean, are addicted to cheeseburgers. I think anything's up for up for debate. Absolutely. And then you've got things like psilocybin, cannabis, ayahuasca, and those are schedule one, highly illegal, very dangerous, mind opening substances mm -hmm. that used in a safe set and setting can do nothing but create a more open mind, a better functioning person in society, which ultimately helps community and helps everyone else, but those are not backed. So walk me through what it was like for you, someone who was an athlete who could never risk ingesting mm -hmm. any of these substances. The first time you sit down with cannabis, I want to um, know what that was like. Yeah. So by this point, like 2016, uh, my knees pretty done. It's the end of the season. Um, and like, I know I'm having surgery, but we're not really getting out of the woods between surgeries anymore. I don't kind of know that's where we're at, but I know I'm now in surgery number three and I've had a script of pain meds for the last six months. I know this isn't ideal, sustainable based on science and how I feel. I also noticed that the pain meds changed, um, I guess, how they reacted with me. And at some point they weren't down regulating me anymore. My body would down regulate, but my brain wouldn't. And okay. I was like, ah, it would just speed up and get more anxious. Except I would just lay there like a lump of shit. What were you on? Um, 
Um, probably Vicodin and Percocet. Um, okay. So I know that's not long-term sustainable for anyone. I mean, there's no one making the argument that, like, take your daily fucking Percocets. <laughs> my, microdose your Percocets, everybody. It fucking really makes a great difference. Um, and so I... Uh, you know, by this point, I'm not competing in anything anymore, so I don't have any, any experience like with college and cannabis or doing any of that. I had some friends that smoked, and honestly, I thought they were kind of fucking themselves up. Um, another another story, right? Uh, but as I start dabbling in it with edibles, the first thing I realized, like, holy shit, I can sleep. My pain threshold changed because at that point, I'm dealing with chronic pain to where I'm kind of always between a three and a nine mm -hmm. and i noticed that i could take edibles and get lower and i'd also be able to sleep and when i got a better night's sleep i wasn't so shitty the next day and when i wasn't shitty the next day i'm not mean to my partner and when i'm not mean to my partner i'm more interested in doing my rehab i'm more interested in taking care of the things that help keep me going um however there's such a part of me that you know through programming and going through dare and everything else in my life Mm -hmm. I'm to believe that there, I don't know how much it is, but there's an amount of this that will ruin my fucking life and I won't <laughs> be able to have a job and I won't be able to be successful and I'll just become a fucking stuttering Beavis and Butthead moron. And none of that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and so having that thing happen and me all of a sudden have the doors blown off of like, yeah, I've been fucking lied to this entire time about this thing. And so if I've been lied to now, then like, all right, I'm done believing anything you have to say. I'll just have my own experience and make a decision. Like I'm a traveler anyway. I want to go places. I want to experience it. I want to let it change me. And so I'm already the type of guy that wants to know. I mean, I would say, I don't know what age the first time I would have heard about the idea of magic mushrooms at. But if I'm really honest, I know I wasn't escaping my entire lifetime without knowing. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to find out what that's about. Right. And um, that's what the next thing I would have been introduced to was, was psilocybin. And uh, I think probably the first time I took it would have been around, you know, probably two grams, two or, two or three grams to kind of have a real go at it. And um, felt an ease of all the anxiety I had, my pain that had been at a three was at a zero for the first time. And I was just surrounded by what I can't describe as anything better than love. And so then that one really was a moment of like, ah, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and uh, since then, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to give anything a go that's possibly going to help. I mean, that's part of what dope is that's division of performance enhancement if it right. enhances performance i'm open to finding out have you ever sat with any other plant-based medicines oh yeah yeah um went down and sat with ayahuasca for four nights um for new year's in 2020 my wife and i went down to costa rica and sat with that uh, i've done lots of psilocybin uh LSD is not a plant medicine, but a lot of experience in that realm, a little bit of experience with ketamine. Um, haven't had a chance with combo or anything else uh, or a boga or anything else further than that world. So cannabis, mushrooms, 
ayahuasca. And it, it seems like to me, you use those as tools rather than yeah. just experiences. Well, I, I, look, I think they can be both. Mm-hmm. No, of course. Um, I think, I right. think there is a, a subset of individuals, especially in this day and age who are more of the psychedelic tourism rather mm-hmm. than the, uh, tool based. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's definitely a way to look at it. No, it's just interesting too, because it seems like after the knee surgery, because of your prior career, there was an identity wrapped around that. There was mm-hmm. a self-worth wrapped around that. So moving that forward, I'd like to know what that kind of was like for you in that process. And it seemed like cannabis was a part of that journey. For sure. Part of that journey, the disentangling of that whole thing, man, I wasn't prepared for it. Um, I remember doing interviews when I'm competing and stuff like that. And look, I love doing the Highland games, but there's some sense of being in on the joke of like, what a fucking silly sport this is already. (laughs) We're traveling around in kilts, throwing rocks in a field, right? Like I'm very fucking aware of the ridiculousness and how rad this thing is. I can't believe it's a thing I get to do anyway. So there isn't a ton of me. I'm very excited and very proud that I got to be best in the world at a thing I cared about a ton. Like Highland Game World Champion wasn't going to be on my tombstone. Like I know that. It's a thing I did and it isn't who I am. Mm. But where, and I was really prepared for that the whole time I competed. Look, I mean, I remember high school football ending. I remember collegiate track and field ending. It's coming to an end at some point. What I wasn't prepared for was not being athletic anymore. I wasn't prepared of getting hurt and going from being second best in the world to being I, like I'm traveling with a cane and don't go up and down stairs and walking more than about two or 300 yards a day is it's all I got for you. Like I remember saying no to stuff because I was like, well, how far will we park? Mm. And like, fuck, man. Like I'm an experienced person. And now that you've cut my world down to this is like, this is what I'm capable of. It has to meet these parameters. It was tough. It was tough. Um, I was really bitter. I was really bummed and I was really shitty and really depressed and not quite sure how to make of any of that because I'd never been in those waters before. Um, the disentangling of all of it, you know, through honestly through plant medicine, um, you know, psilocybin provided plenty of plenty of looks inward, but you know, really one of the big ones was with ayahuasca. And what I, what I got from it was this just complete gratitude that I had ever found something I loved this much that gave back as much as it did for all the effort I put into it. And how dare I ever believe that that was going to be permanent. You know, be, be excited that I got 10 years of that and most people don't even ever know how it feels. You know, I got to look at the loss of my community. I mean, with the Highland Games, there's only 20 guys in the world who are any good at it, like in the pro class. And so if every weekend I'm competing like 20 times a year around the world and there's 12 or 13 athletes, I see the same guys. And these are all other weirdos who are interested in this weird ass sport who train by themselves and throw in a field by themselves four days a week. Like these are your people. This is the tribe. Like I don't have to explain weirdness to them or obsession or how lunatic the rest of this shit is. And that's gone. Right. And you can get bitter about losing the community, but 
you know, the community stays with the thing. Mm. The community's fluid of those 12 guys that are good in the world. You know, I got to change that perspective. You know, what the plant medicine allowed for me to do on that was really move my set to the abundant, you know, move my mindset to more of an abundance perspective than I was being attacked and mm. be able to look at how great and how wonderful all these gifts have been. You know, and even in hindsight, this many years down the road, you know, thank you for the, thank you for the injury. Yeah, I'm not here without it. You know, I didn't get that challenge. I didn't get to dive down this road. Had, had I not been challenged this much by something in my life. So, I mean, all of it's been a blessing. I mean, that's a big shift in perspective from where I was. Uh, I'd also say so. really nice that I got out of pain to some degree. I imagine I'm going to have to replace my hip here pretty soon. Oof, already? Ah. Okay. Look, I, it's not like I'm, a, it's not a mystery why my body's all fucked up. No, like, don't get me wrong. I, yeah, I, I did all this. Yeah, I feel you on that. Like, of course, it, it's, it's not without accountability, but it still sucks regardless. I mean, physical injuries, yeah. it's not the surgeries. It's the recovery. It's the stillness. You know, at this part, after doing the nine, like rehab, I'm good at. <laughs> like, I can, I can do that. <laughs> The part that kills me is the stage I'm at right now where, like, I know I need to fix my hip, but I don't, I've moved, and so I don't have a surgeon, so I've got to do that. Like, I have to go now shop for this fucking guy to put in my hip. Right. Um, And then some part of that is, like, he gets to approve. I just fucking hate the whole process. I dislike our medical system with a passion. Well, I I would agree both of our medical systems are broken beyond all recognition, to say the very least, but... Are you in Canada? Is that where you're? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the, we're on the West Coast. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm familiar. I've been. Oh, cool. have you? Lovely. Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, it used to be lovely. Let's be honest with ourselves. It, uh, uh, I wouldn't have been since like 20, yeah, probably 15 or 16. Oh, yeah. Oh. So I was competing at uh, Victoria. Oh, on the island there. Yeah. Island's still lovely. Yeah, so we competed there a bunch of times. Oddly enough, uh, competed there on Victoria Day for like the 25th anniversary of Victoria Day on the island. Oh, wow. And uh, Prince Andrew was Ooh. in attendance of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I got, at least I, I'm pretty sure I got to shake that guy's hand, so that's cool, Oh, I guess. no. He's just that's... epstein it up big time, too, at that point. Oh. like, Dude, he was in it, the thick of it. He's all in it. Dude, you were touching hands. You're lucky he washed those hands. That's one degree. I have like two degrees oh. separation. Epstein, that's great. Oh, that's not a good thing to be promoting. Oh, God. No, but, no. but Victoria yeah, what a is, scumbag, uh, man. Yeah, that's, you know, there's lines with people. There's there's levels to um, discussing human beings in the world, for sure. He's definitely up at the top there. Yeah, I put people that, that damage kids right up there. Yeah, well, I feel like... What, I should be piled Andy? in a fire and set on fire. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. The last conversation I had with Andy Stump was very similar. I think he said something along the lines of, like, they die slow. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I well, don't think anyone's going to ever Could disagree. we use them, like, as fuel for something to somehow power, like, a generator to get the energy from it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. I think if we take them and we put them in, uh, like, a setting, you know, back way back when where they would attach the horses and they would walk. Yeah. I mean, if, I think they still do that in North Korea, but I think we could adopt it here, okay? Yeah, not my favorite. I don't know no. who's on board with the whole pedophilia thing, but uh, I can tell you who the Canadian Navy. Oh, is it? <laughs> Let me sidebar attention that. Yeah, <laughs> no I, I wasn't way. aware that was part of their uh, 
at sea and touching kids. I, I didn't um, know that that's uh, the, the, the motto. Your face was everything. <laughs> Did the I miss shock. an inside joke? Is this basically like a military talking shit on each other thing I missed? No, I'm going to give you the story. Oh, 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 that might have been one of my best respects up there with Gage. Oh, okay. Um. So a couple of weeks ago, I get these DMs uh, from uh, what used to be one of my old staff members. Uh, she was an officer of mine. Uh, I can say her name because she's in the book, Mary Eve Labonte. She's one of the baddest bitches that's ever walked the face of the earth as an artillery gunner for the Canadian Army. Um, absolute machine. She DMs me. She goes, this bitch. And I was like, oh, no. Um, and uh, she never says anything like that. And she sends me these messages and these screenshots. And what had happened was there was a Canadian Navy member. She, 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 also very odd, was advocating while in said uniform for maps. Minor what? attracted persons. Oh, see, you say maps and I immediately go to. Um, maps, the, the event that's happening in Denver this week. The psychological, the people using psychedelics for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Different group. Different group. <laughs> got it. We're tracking here. Yeah, yeah, got it. Got uh, it. The MIPS, MAPS, minor, no, MOPS, MAPS, minor attracted persons. And um, basically she was advocating and stating uh, on social media in multiple group chats that uh, 10 year olds and, you know, children, like children should be, they can consent. They can 100% consent while also representing the Canadian Navy. And part of that problem is, you get a lot of trouble for that. And the yeah, fact that she should. thought, yeah, exactly. So me being me, oh, got a hold of it and was like, well, I can't not, damn it. Now I got to make a reel out of this. So I made a reel out of this and it went far and wide and um, it went to the Minister of National Defense. So my point in saying that is when you fuck around, you find out when children are involved, people need to speak up and say something. So I'm not saying that's representative of all of the Canadian Navy, but I do know a lot of people that served alongside that individual who said the very uncomfortable situations that she would be uh, putting people in. And so in saying that, not all of the Navy, just a few. Sure. I mean, Super also, family, basically, yeah, in the army, uh, my old major has been charged with sexual assault, uh, seven women. So you're like, you know, this Look, is man, just I normal. Think as normal. people, if there's 8 billion of us. Oh, yeah. Anything you're manufacturing in that bulk has rejects. Absolutely. Thousand percent. Some of those rejects are this. Some of those rejects should be the people who provide our energy in awkward, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a real fucking bummer. I mean, the other thing is, I, I think it's most people don't realize what 18 being consent, right? Like that ain't global. No, it's most not. of the world fucking has no problem with how fucking weird that is. Not only that, like this hasn't been uni this. It's not like this is throughout the entire U.S. for the most part. Mm -hmm. like, I remember, I mean, growing up, this has changed drastically, even in the last fucking 40 years of my life. France still has a like a 14 or 13 age of consent. Yep. Or no, sorry. France doesn't have one at all, which is they why Polanski is still fucking there. Ah, yes. But I think, where was it that was 14? One of the, Rhode like, Island, I know, was for a bit. Yeah. I just can't fathom having that conversation. Like, I heard uh, a few people having that conversation recently on a, someone's podcast, and they were talking about, you know, 20 and 17. Yeah, it looks a little dicey. 
18 and 14, not as weird. But once you crush that, hey, I know some. Not as weird. 18 to 14 is not as fucking weird as 20 to 17. I think it's disgusting. But because it's still in that teenage age group, it's once you cross that 18-year-old mark for people is where you vote, you go to war, you do X, Y, and Z. You're once allowed you... to decide if you can fuck. Exactly. But I think it should, I still think it should be 18 across the board. And here's the sad part with the generations that are coming. I think it needs to be much older because I feel like I, as I, if. Yeah, look, I, I don't, again, I threw fucking rocks in a field wearing a skirt. So let's make sure my ideas of what should be legal law are represented equally there. I th um, Well, I also think that you are a grown man with a head on his shoulders and opinions are valued regardless. For sure, right? For sure. Um, I mean, I, I lost my virginity at 15. Okay. And I don't remember feeling like when I was 15 that like, holy shit, I'm really young. Mm. But like the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> um, Do just because, uh, no, and, okay. and won't, uh, oh, okay. No, no kids for me. Um, okay. I opt out of that path. Really? Um, mm -hmm. With all um, the knowledge and all of the tools to pass down, to make the generation better, not your vibe down huh? to other adults. Yeah, that's fine. I'm cool with it. I'm just wondering. No, cause yeah, some yeah, people, not for me. you know, a lot of people, they're fearful of that conversation. Um, they're very fearful of, of, and, and I see that with, uh, the difference between women and men, most men, if they're like, yeah, I don't want kids. I don't have kids. Nobody presses on them. Like nobody asks them. You ask women, why don't you want kids? You have to have kids. What do you mean? Of course you're going to have kids. Of course you have to have children. Yep. Um, yeah, I was, I was married before, uh, and we spent a pretty good chunk trying to have kids. I wouldn't say I was ever fully into it, um, mm. but didn't happen. And I thought killed a ton of intimacy in the relationship. Uh, despite that now on the other side of that and aware that I'm not interested in kids, I don't feel like I should probably compromise on that. So I got a vasectomy a few years ago, very happily thing. I don't have to worry about anymore. Uh, my wife, Bonnie, my uh, current wife is, um, she's a BRCA1 positive mm. for um, breast cancer, stuff like that. And so she's not interested in having kids and giving the chance of passing that down. And so, perfect. I think that's a really, um, a very adult decision that most people don't seem to want to make or have that conversation about because it is, again, uh, very considered unconventional, in my opinion, very responsible. Yeah. Um, look, I, I'm fucking 40. I, I, I <laughs> am not interested in like having kids. Um, I love getting to do what I want to do with my time. Yeah. That's what excites me is spending as much of the rest of my life doing things I'm excited about. I'm aware of the selfishness there. I'm aware of all those things. And look, the other side of it too, as being an experienced person and a traveler that's wanting to learn from everything i'm also very aware i have opted out of a life experience that would teach me things that i can't quite get anywhere else hmm. patience and love and unconditional love and understanding a very different perspective on how my parents must have viewed me get it I do and if i'm gonna skip out on that line of all that experience i'm going full blast toward the other 
yeah, I'm going to do that. the live like a lunatic and travel and be around the world and decide to live in other countries and live as unconventionally as someone without kids should. So in living a life worth dying for, how does your brand come into play? Not dead yet, the brand. So the brand started in 2014 under the name Hate Brand Goods. Um, the hate is something I'd wrote about in my first book. Uh, first book was training for the Highland Games as nothing really had been put out regarding that and kind of how to build a season for it and X, Y, and Z. And so the hate was this thing my brother and I had spoke about and kind of a reference to other athletes that we had seen. And it was your Jerry Rice and these high performers and guys at the world level that, you know, despite these accolades and despite everything they had going, they're still up at 4.30 in the morning going to do the work. And I always describe that as like, you know, when that guy looks at himself in the mirror in the morning, he hates himself more than I do. Because <laughs> I'm willing to let me off the hook a little bit easier than he is. And so that's what it came down to is like, hate yourself enough to do the work. Like, don't fucking tolerate good enough. And so over time, is that changed? And then with you know, losing sport, you know, hate, what I realized is like how I get shit done. Like, that's how I show up every day, despite feeling not interested or low motivation or any of that, as if it has any fucking control over the actions I take. The why is because I'm not dead yet. The why I get everything done is because I'm on the fucking clock. I got 1133 weeks to accomplish everything I've ever wanted to. And so... Does, does that give you... Um any sort of sense of anxiety of course do you think that amount of anxiety is healthy i don't know i know it keeps me going i know it's i know it, i know it works for me yeah i'm not scared of dying yeah, yeah right and also like i'm very very aware that i don't have like a finite bucket list that i'm gonna finish and be done with but i want to go and do as long as i'm capable of going and doing you know, I've, I've noticed a couple of experiences like now, the older I've gotten that like things I would be really interested to do, but I'm aware I may have missed the window on like enjoying it. So what are those things? I love a road trips. My favorite basically thing ever living in a van would be phenomenal. I'm sure I would enjoy the shit out of it. I don't know for how long, but I'd like to find out. I'd like to figure <laughs> out when I go, I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm over um, it. I really wish that like after college, I would have spent figured out how to spend six months in Europe backpacking and going to hostels and exploring other countries and meeting new people and like having my mind blown on what the world is at that age. Uh, 40 year old me is not interested in staying in hostels and dealing with drunk people. Right. I think that would have been a very valuable experience, but I've missed the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> I can have a very different trip and rent a van and now drive across Europe very plush. But, you know, I, I, the bumming in a hotel the whole time, uh, yeah, a hostel, like, I just can't. You're like, bougie I just now. can't deal with. No, I just look, I'm too fucking old. I go to bed at 930. Like, none of that's going to change. And so, like, I'm the old <laughs> asshole that's there. I'm the problem, not anyone else. I, like, I take accountability <laughs> for that. Like, old man, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Get in your fucking time machine and come back here when you're trying to party. Oh. Uh, so, you know, again, like looking at this idea of how much I like being nomadic and being on the road, I don't know if 60-year-old me wants to travel this much, but I know I do now, so I'm going to go. 
and see as much of it as I can. Um, so that's how I use it as fuel. Hmm. Like, man, every day's on the clock and like, I want to make it count. That's the point of looking at that marble every Monday morning and deciding was this week well spent and was it moving toward what I want in my life or was it stagnant? Was it good enough? Was it phoned in? Be honest with myself about it. When you're honest with yourself about it, and if you have those weeks where it feels a little phoned in for you, how do you move forward from that? Well, it would be worth trying to figure out why it was phoned in. You know, why did I? Was I exhausted? Was my energy low? What was stealing my focus? What did I allow to become a distraction? X, Y, and Z. I would try to look at it that way first. But all I can do is try to attack it better the next week. Like, I'm not interested in driving this spaceship forward using the rearview mirror. Like, only thing that is is data collection to try again the next week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the consistent effort that, that yields any of it. You know, I think over time, kind of looking at it, right, that I think there's this base self version of us. And the way I would describe that is this version of you that's built based on your experiences, community, where you were born, who your parents were, what their friends were, what type of income your parents had, what their exposure to money was, what their conversations around intimacy were, what your grandparents were like. Did you grow up in the South or did you grow up in a big city? Like all of these type of things shape you a ton. And I think we're all pretty okay with that idea. That you didn't choose any of those things and your base self gets formed out of all of those things and whether or not you wanted to be more like those things or less like those things, but they're all based on that exposure. You know, most people I would say in our country didn't choose their religion after looking at all the available options and make a choice based on what actually works the most for them. It's just because it is (laughs) that doesn't work for me. And so. If I look at what my best self is, and I'm aware that it's just simply the actions and exposure and the community I'm in and the things that I'm doing every day will shape that, now I've got to choose it. I've got to be the one choosing to find people that are into X, Y, and Z. I've got to be the one that wants to find these experiences that'll shape me. I've got to look at the books that'll give me information and change my perspective. None of that shit's obligated to find me. The stuff that found me is what I already came pre-installed with. <clears throat> I like the pre-installed look uh, at religion. That's an interesting one, especially coming from North America. It's very clear why most of us believe what we believe or see what we see or expose ourselves to. And it's funny because even though we, we know that logically, somehow people are made to feel a certain way if they don't believe it. I think there's a lot of focus put on the idea of right and wrong or good and bad, and I'm not sure any of those actually exist. You know, most people don't say that unless they've had some type of plant-based experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's awesome. No, it's good. I, I, I guess I say that because it illustrates the power of opening the mind and showing that there's so much more that can be exposed and learned and how you can not only use those things to 
overcome and get through the weight of the, maybe the things you were exposed to prior to being able to decide what you wanted to believe or see or eat or do. And I think it's such a powerful tool. And when talking to someone like you who takes it and uses those as a way to take action and intention in their life, I think it's good to highlight you're what I would consider a good example of a responsible human being should be modeling their consumption off of. Um, fucking take that quote to the bank. <laughs> good. Talk to me. Talk to me a little bit though, because because community is such a big thing for you, and and so you do something that. There are a lot of people that are building communities, but there's a another action-based uh, portion of this that I want to talk about, which is kind of like your retreats and those things where you mm. get to travel and do this and expose other people. Maybe if they're uncomfortable with going on an adventure on their own, you kind of like softly walk them through it. So talk to me about that. Well, I, I, I get the overwhelming nature of that. Like I get it. And luckily for me, I'm okay with thrusting myself toward those things, right? Like I'm aware that I got super fortunate as a weirdo creative that I have this athletic thing. And so all my confidence and all my self-worth, like all of those things came from this athletic side. That's what teaches the discipline. Like I already have all that installed where the creatives don't get it. And so being able to share that world with creatives has been really important to me to try to give them a plan and a different perspective of looking at things because most of them have felt weird and dumb because scholastically it didn't work out that way and you learn differently and you're a visual learner instead of anything else, right? We have one education system. It's not my favorite. Um, no. <laughs> it's not learning based, so whatever. Um, but, you know, through all that, getting a chance to expose people to things and, and give them some freedom to want to dive in and feel safe to explore, like, that's helped a ton. And so uh, we started hosting some retreats last year. My wife does a women's retreat. I do a men's retreat twice a year. And mine's called Hard Reset. And it's it's a really big pattern interrupt. It is coming St. Louis. It is I'm going to put everybody up in a house together. I have a chef cook. It's a really closed container to form some intimacy and form some bond. And we're going to train together and we're going to hot and cold and get and dive into some breath work and getting people to buy all in, right? I'm doing this experience with you. I want to show you the things that I would have written off as kooky bullshit. Not all of it because journaling is still rad. So is also me getting a chance to like, well, journaling falls more kooky bullshit, but like the journaling I got from training, I kept a training journal. And at some point I wrote down how I felt about training that day and being able to look at that evidence over time allows me to have an honest communication with myself that removes judgment or anything. Like I don't have an emotional feeling because I missed my fourth rep. I can look back at why. And I treat the journal for my life and my self-discovery the same way. It's just an honest communication to have with me. And so being able to expose to that um, we do some boxing, we do some jujitsu in a way that you can have something to take with you to go forward. Because despite what I've found out that most males think they can defend themselves, they can't. It's fucking pathetic. Okay. Self-included. Mm -hmm. Fucking happily self-included. But that's the truth of it. Like, why, why live behind that fear instead of go fucking learn how to do a thing? Go develop a skill. Go out there 
and let your fragile little ego say, I don't know how to do this because no one ever taught me. But thinking you're supposed to know how to do all these things from jump or that like becoming a carpenter is a talent instead of a skill to learn, a craft. It takes repetition. It takes time. It takes getting beaten. But we don't teach any of that. We don't teach delayed gratification. We don't teach what long-term work brings. People want it now and they want it done. And so in this retreat, man, it's, it's intense. It's 72 hours and it's deep work and we're going to dive into stuff and you're going to be tired. And by the time we get through the end of the weekend, you are not the same. And I've seen it change in everyone that's come through it. Now, the people that manage to integrate it on the background do tons. And then some people are tourists. Hmm. And they get the dip and then it goes back to the way things were and then they chase going to another retreat. And you end up being that your new thing that your identity is going to retreats instead of actually taking any of the fucking information you learned and applying it to your life. Like, that's why I'm not that interested in listening to people's fucking psychedelic trips. Yeah. I want to know what you changed in your life because of it. Not what fucking magic you saw. That is rare as hell though. Yep. Not a lot of people say, yeah, but not a lot of people will say what you just said, you know, the chasing the retreats, the this, the that. There is that. There is a part of that that does happen in this space. Well, but it's like trying to fucking learn awareness phonetically. Ah. Right? Like instead of actually being able to speak the language of awareness or being fluent in awareness, I can go to retreats and because I go to, you know, it's essentially they're like, um, you know, I take medicine because I'm sick. So if I don't take medicine, I'm not sick. Mm -hmm. type of idea you know if i go to retreats that are doing these healthy things look at how healthy i am meanwhile you're not doing any of the fucking work right a lot of people think that the work happens at the retreat but it doesn't it's the experience the work stops the work starts when you leave that retreat most of these retreats and i'm sure you've attended stuff similar like they're not giving you anything they're exposing you and because you're not being given anything you can do this anywhere. Now, is the energy amplified when you're in the right set and setting? Of course it is. So is competition. So is anything else. But you can do the work anywhere. I can train anywhere. Is it better in a room full of people who give a shit? Of course it is. But using the retreats as the only fill up or as the drug, which is what people end up doing, you're not integrating. If you're not integrating, it doesn't fucking work. That's something that is being um, underlooked. Integration, integration, integration. Oh my God, integration. So many fucking people in our space go, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to fix my problems. They come back and they're like, I'm fine. I don't need, you know, I learned everything I need to learn. Well, you didn't because obviously you didn't because you're not doing anything about it. You're not showing that. I don't, I'm not talking about Instagram, but you're not showing it in your daily life and your daily practice and the way you move, the way you sleep, the way you eat, the way you look at. And you can see that in your behavior. But nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to just keep going, do more. It's not about doing more. You're missing the point. It's really sad and really quite frustrating too, especially in this space because... It is one thing to go sit with medicine and it's one thing to prepare for it. It is another to use what you've learned. Like there's plenty of people that are going to go do ayahuasca or mushrooms or combo or any of this shit because they're collecting merit badges. 
100%. I'm not into it. And nor should you be. No. Outside of wearing a mala, I'm not dressed in drug rugs all day, making sure that I'm walking around as a walking billboard for kookiness. You know, it doesn't have to go that way either. You wear it because your ma- your wife made it. Well, I wear it also because I like it. I like it's the nice. reminder it gives me, right? Like, I know that if I get really frustration, like really, really frustrated and really spun up and start spiraling and doing the whole wonderful thing that is entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. try to make it around with gratitude and not feel better per bead. Good luck. That's why we use beads. I got them. They, they slow it down. They yeah, slow it down. Yeah, my beads are, you know, I, I acquired them at places that I like to remember. Absolutely. There's something about uh, touch, connection items to things. Uh, I know you mentioned before, you know, all the kooky things, but I'm a big, big fan of journaling. And uh, it didn't work for me initially until I started to understand what I was trying to accomplish and then utilize that as the tool. But in saying that, when I sit with medicine or I'm journaling or I'm somewhere where I am writing, I take something, <laughs> whether it's a leaf, a stick, a flower, a piece of grass, whatever you want, whatever I can take <laughs> that's small enough to go in between the pages of the yeah. page I just wrote. It's a tactile reminder. It's a touch I thing. Dig that. It, it just. Well, it's grounding it, to some sort, right? Like God. it brings back to present. It's a moment to get out of just this mental state, you know, I've noticed me, you know, using different tools like cold plunging or sauna or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's really easy to just get spun up and operate in headspace all day. And like time operates different there, kind of the way dreams are really fucking fast. And you can think like, I'll never have time to get any of this shit done. And the next thing, once you actually get through your list, like, oh, that took 45 minutes. And I was, exactly. I put off my whole day for it. Exactly. I, I've been dodging this all day as this giant monumental thing. And I'm done in fucking 45 minutes. Um, now I'm aware. I do the same thing. None of this is new. Welcome. We're all the same. Um, <laughs> but being able to switch to being in the physical space, like getting yeah. to train or jump on the treadmill or run a little bit or get outside, go for a walk. Like all of that gets to shift the focus back out, like put the energy back on the physical, get present and then go back and attack your problem. Yeah, and that's something I try to remind people when staying in the body, when making decisions. You can't make decisions in the static mind. It's just not gonna happen. It's just wires trying to connect and smash against each other. You need to be present. And so one of the tools I use, and I don't know if you've ever done this, I take meetings on the phone when I'm walking. Mm -hmm. I I move, I'm a mover or I'm outside in the grass. Like I consider the gym here to be really honest. It's just a fidget spinner. Oh, 100%. That's, that's really all the gym is for me at this point. I mean, I'd love to stay as healthy as humanly possible, but it's not like I'm in there trying to get stronger anymore. <laughs> per se. It's, it's a tool for, I, I love that using those tools for entrepreneurship because I don't think uh, enough people discuss physical movement uh, with, not just mindset, but maybe making decisions or pulling apart information. And I think it's super, super useful. Um, and I encourage people to try it. I know like when I'm trying to digest, um, that was going to be one of my next things I want to talk to you about. It's like people like us listen to certain other people. They're the ones that uplift us, inspire us, motivate us and, and drive us forward. And in saying that I listen to all of those things while I'm moving because I absorb information at a very high rate and it's podcasts. So if you as a person were to 
listen to a podcast, if you were trying to figure out an idea, come up with something, brainstorm, what is the the go-to person or show that you listen to that you find helps break some things down for you? Um, like everyone else in my age group, I enjoy Rogan. I won't pretend like I'm not into it. I am and have been a really do long people, time. Do people pretend I, I, to I would you? assume that there's got to be some part of people that feels like it's cliched and I'll say. I think that's silly. And I think that's I, just their egos. Perfect. He's great. Think, Move on. I think he's great. I also think he's got such a wide variety of interest that depending on guest is depending on if I want to listen to it. Um, I will listen to Aubrey Marcus on a pretty regular basis. Uh, been lucky enough to call that guy a friend and close enough to be able to fully know that he's about that fucking life. That he's not a walk and you know that he he walks a walk and so i'm always excited to hear what he has in mind uh you know i end up finding a lot of inspiration like um i like audiobooks more mm -hmm. than i'll go to podcast anymore um and audiobooks have been really good um lion tamer's guide to life is a really great one i picked up um all the standard stuff, four agreements. Um, the fifth agreement I just picked up. Um, I'm reading The Art of Impossible currently, and I'm reading Out of Your Mind by Alan Watts. So um, I tend to find inspiration and creativity for problem solving through new ideas. Um, so kind of getting out of my problem and letting things work through. So I've become really good at like a morning routine hmm. and kind of have dialed it in. So my morning routine is I try to stay away from my phone for like the first two hours I'm awake. Other than what minimal needs to be done. Was there an emergency? There's not, but I'm not doom scrolling. Hmm. Um, I get to the gym and I get on the treadmill or the bike and I try to do about an hour of cardio watching something new, whether that's a podcast or whether that is a documentary, something new and inspiring. I was watching today the one on the creation of Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game, talking to Tony Hawk, and it's great. Like hearing that dude bet on himself, man. Like the piece that I remember getting stoked on was you know, right before the video game comes out, and this is a big dice roll. Uh, like Neversoft offers him half a million dollars to buy out his rights to any of the next games. And at this point, like skateboarding's doing okay. It's not great. Mm -hmm. And he's doing okay. But he bets on himself. And he bets on himself and he says, no, I want to stay involved in everything. And I want the royalties based on how well it sells. And then like two weeks later at the X Games, he lands the first 900 and blows the fucking doors off of skateboarding. He's then like a character on The Simpsons. He's then all these things like Tony Hawk becomes gigantic and this thing takes off and sells over a billion dollars and stuff. I'm inspired by people that trust them. Like fuck waiting for it to find you. I bet on me. And so hearing that and hearing different problem solves and different you know, how they get through things always inspires me. And so that's what I like doing during that time. I find my best ability to learn is kind of why my heart rate sitting around 130 beats a minute. Um, yeah, there's, 
there's something special there. Yeah, and then by that by that point of that hours up, my ADHD is kicked into full effect, and I need to do a different thing. So I make my way to the sauna, and I usually will listen to an audiobook while I'm in the sauna, and I journal while I'm in there. I usually have something that'll come up while I'm watching the first documentary or something that like I'm itching to get out of my head. A concept or an idea or something new to think on or noodle around with. Um, and then I wrap up with three minutes in the cold plunge and roll on with the day, hit some breath work and call it. What, uh, what's your degrees for your cold plunge? Uh, mine stays about 45. I mean, look, amazing. This is another. I, I've said, no, I <laughs> give it to me. Give it to me. It's not a fucking max effort exercise. One water doesn't get any fucking colder than 32. You bunch of weirdos. That's it. 32 fucking degrees. Otherwise, it's a solid unless it's salt water. I get it. It's a couple degrees different, but it's not a fucking max effort thing. The point of it isn't freezing to death and fighting off hypothermia and being able to fucking kick yourself completely into fight or flight system and drain yourself of all of its adrenaline and everything else. The point is down regulation. The point is being able to focus. The point is being able to shift from parasympathetic nervous system into the sympathetic nervous system by a mechanical fucking switch so that I can sleep at night. It takes three fucking minutes to get all the best parts of this. Sitting in there for eight to measure your dick against some other fucking guy who's sitting in cold isn't useful. I don't fucking understand why we operate that way. Get it. Oh. So, yeah, cold. I do it for three minutes and I move on my fucking day at 45 degrees. My face hurts from laughing and smiling so hard. <laughs> God, this has been the Look, best you know, episode. so I had, a, I had an interesting realization, uh, plant medicine recently. Mm -hmm. While I was on this motorcycle trip, um, so I got to do some work last year with indian motorcycles uh kind of got to travel host a show for them that will be airing on my youtube channel pretty soon and uh so i've got access to motorcycles so as long as i show up in costa mesa california i can borrow a bike and so me and a friend went borrowed bikes and i didn't really have any plans of where we would go stayed with a friend in la for a day or two and then made our way up to across the golden gate bridge and then into Yosemite and found campsites basically every night and slept in a hammock and weird parks and anywhere else. Um, on the last night of that trip at camp, I, I knew that it was, I was going to jump into some mushrooms. And so went ahead and did that. And um, I had, a, had an interesting takeaway from it. And like once I felt things start really ramping up, because me and my buddy were having a good time shooting the shit and enjoying all the beauty that is mushrooms, giggling and laughing and watching the leaves. Uh, but as it started ramping up, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go get in my, I'm going to go get my hammock, close things up and see where this wants to go. Like, let's do some work. Right. And there is some part of me that unless that trip gets ugly and unless it digs something out of me, that's painful. Like I don't find it as valuable. So there's something interesting there that like, I'm aware there's some part of me that's looking for that to be able to share instead of like, oh, it was just great. It can just be great. I don't have to find some weird hidden trauma I didn't know about. 
again, we're not competing in a fucking trauma contest. This isn't the trauma Olympics. This isn't the pain Olympics of who had the fucking scariest trip. And so having the ability to just be like, hey, man, not everything beneficial for you has to fucking feel like you're getting gutted. So it was a nice, a nice thing to catch. We'll see how well I managed to keep it and keep it in sight. I'm excited to see how this one goes. Yeah. Um, feels good to know it though. Cause I can catch myself knowing like, you know, I should probably check in with medicine and see how things are going. Maybe take a chance to process the last couple months if it's been heavy and, you know, or just busy, just check in. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in that realm, I don't lie to me very well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I can find myself putting it off and putting it off like, oh man, it's going to, it's going to be a lot. It's going to, whatever this feeling is. And like, fuck, it's never been, I've had like one uncomfortable experience and it was totally my fault based on set and setting. I, I mean, I've had plenty of uncomfortable things, but I've never finished an experience and been like, that was terrible. I'm not interested. It's always like, why aren't we doing this more often? to touch base it's like i always think it takes longer than it does like it's just for like five fucking five hours yeah they always i always think that like i don't i don't have time and then the next day i'll be down and all this i just make up excuses like anyone else we all do but you catch yourself in them that's the difference that's the learning that's the lesson right like that's that's it like that's the accountability that's the Noticing the habits I that I have that I don't like mm-hmm. doing something about them because some of those are flinches. You know, I, I know one of the ways my dad reacted to stress or problems is just anger. Um, you know, anger immediately and then it would lash out. And I know that that's in me like that is my base reaction to unplanned stress it is freak out clam up the answer is no fucking way and then try to personally attack anyone who would try to have me do said thing hmm. and so if i can catch that pattern right i can catch it starting to spin up and just be able to have the awareness of like you're doing it you're doing it stop and i can put the brakes on it It's never something I think that I'm going to get to the point of where the feeling doesn't show up anymore. So the way I've kind of like figured out a metaphor for it is watching skateboarders get really good or BMX riders or any of this, what they get really good at is falling. Right. And so they get this intuition that a fall is going to come earlier and earlier and earlier so they can bail safer to try again. It's not anti falling falling's part of the game. Falling is part of getting better at anything. But the repetitions allow you to have more intuition of when a fall is coming. So being able to be aware of this spiraling up or whatever it is, this anxiety or anything else, like the skateboarder, I can catch it earlier on so that I can bail sooner and get back on the work to re-get myself sorted instead of let this thing spread to the people around me and then have to go through this whole fucking thing of, I'm sorry, I was a dick. I got stressed out and I acted like a fucking baby because babies do that. 
babies aren't in control of their shit. Babies let their feelings decide what comes out of their mouth. And so the better you get at it and the better you see skateboarders get at it, right? They're not even bailing on the trick anymore. They start bailing on the run up because they're so intuitive that they can feel that on the run up, like, ah, we're going the wrong path. Mm-hmm. So it's through the repetition and awareness of being able to say like, fuck, I did that thing today. And it's not about the elimination of it. It's about minimizing it. So that, that helps me a ton. Damn son. I feel like I just like drained you of all of your tools and all of your lessons and all of your pertinent information and somehow got you angry at the same time at cold water. No. I just, how dare I? How dare I? How cold dare water. I? It triggered the shit out of you there, Holmes. I find, I find people a very fascinating species. You know, they are. we're, uh, like every individual person is relatively easy to deal with. People as a whole in mass become very complicated. People are really unpredictable and wildly dangerous. A person is pretty easy to deal with. You can communicate mm-hmm. and like maybe have a discussion and not get offended. People. Um, the current sensibilities in my country aren't my favorite. I try to live differently. I think it's not just your country, so don't feel alone. Sure. Don't feel alone. You're not the only one in that state, in that in that feeling of how things are around you. That's pretty widespread, but I think there is a shift happening on, on some level. I do feel the pendulum swinging back in a way. I do feel those waking up, if you will, if you want to use that terminology. And so I'm hopeful and optimistic that hopefully all of the way that people view things and run their mouths on the internet and the way that they decide to live their lives. Hope I'm hoping for a shift, but there's always going to be a subset of individuals who are not. Well, there's always I mean, going to. <clears throat> we have such a shit idea of time, like just as a species. Because like 50 years equals basically forever for us, which is such a laughable, laughable thing. Mm-hmm. The idea of what is currently permanent, right? I mean, if we go back only 200 years, even the borders of our states look real fucking fluid if you put that 200 years on like a 10-second time lapse. So we're dealing with a lot of stuff that we just don't have reference points for or tools for. The amount of information that we have exposed to ourselves right now never, ever planned for this. Like, I don't know that our brains were ever adapted to be ready for it. We're in it. I also don't think it kills us. Like, as a species, I don't think we go extinct because of the internet. So the only other side of that means at some point we kind of learn to deal with it better. And as things further get regulated, right? Like, those of us who were early adopters of social media and whatever that means, like, yo, this shit was the Wild West. But that time's done. It's different now. Like this thing that you and I currently do for a living is now an option for people to do for a living. This wasn't when I started doing things. And we don't have people that have lived like entire careers this way yet. We don't even have, we don't have people who have lived and died their entire life with the internet, much less like 
my grandparents were that generation. Like we're pretty good at cars now, but in you know 1920 they were scared anything went over 440 miles an hour would kill you. You would just maybe, die from the speed. Maybe not like the your Kia fucking right now, body though. would get ripped apart. Do yeah. what? Maybe not Kia right now. Did you see that? No. What What did they do? Apparently they've got a, like a massive 500,000 car recall where they're like, cars are spontaneously catching on fire. Please park outside. Fuck. Speaking what? of that, yo, that's a thing <laughs> that in the like earlier turn of the century, we thought people kind of spontaneously combusted. That's a fucking idea that people thought. And they no, believed it. They just it. dropped cigarettes and burned themselves alive because <laughs> they're hammered. <laughs> We thought for a while that there were people that were like, sometimes, you know, people will just burst into fucking flames. That's not that long ago that we thought that. Oh, That's not caveman shit. No. Like, we had air conditioning, people thought that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we're fucking pretty advanced for people to be like, sometimes people burst into flames. <laughs> you don't think that maybe we'd had some notes on that from, like, the Egyptians or something, like, as a heads up? You know, the saddest part about that statement is that you automatically, instinctively, without thought, immediately did a Southern accent. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm from Louisiana, so it makes it not cultural appropriation, if I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, oh, my face. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. It's true. People believe a lot of shit from not that far ago, and that's... That's also what makes me optimistic about the future is that not that long ago, people thought people just, boop, that was it, fire. It was all of a sudden a weird Avengers movie and people just burst into flames as if that was a thing. So my hope is that with, in saying that, that you are going to see a shift, you're going to see this idea, but I still think there's going to be a subset of it, people that for the rest of their lives are still going to believe that people burst into flames. Yeah, of course. Look, again, back to with 8 billion people, right? Like, if you got a room for 100 people, there's a chance that there's two morons in there that aren't interested in fucking learning that will argue with the wall. They're just fucking morons. And they're happy to be morons. You can't fix them. They don't want to be fixed. They're just fucking dumb. Um, and that's out of 100. And when you have 8 billion, there's a shitload. And you have people on one end of the chart that realize they can manipulate morons. And so they will. Because as long as people are willing to be led, someone's more than happy to take the fucking reins. I can just see the thoughts toying in your head What did you or say? As neutrally much... political as I can say everything. What, what, what did you say to me at the very beginning of this about it being virtual, but yet most of the conversation is visual? Is your yeah. physical reaction? If you're not watching this, people, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. Oh, man. That's all I'm saying, man. That's all I'm saying. Look, I just, um, in a world full of morons, I appreciate you standing out and I appreciate the accountability, the willingness to do the work growing from your own shit and helping others move through theirs rather than just leaving the morons to themselves to bang their head against the wall 
you're doing your best to take those morons and turn them into functioning, healthy, useful parts of society and making them be an asset and no longer a liability. So I can appreciate that. And I can appreciate the work that goes into that. Yeah, I look, I want to work with anyone who's as interested in their life being awesome as I am in mine. Mm -hmm. But I'm not interested in convincing you to fucking live a rad life. I don't give a shit whether or not you do. I'd love for you to. But I'm not going to spend any of my energy convincing you of how fucking cool it could be. I, it's not it's true it's it doesn't feel like it's a difficult thing to do it doesn't feel like it's a difficult thing to have to show others but unfortunately we're, we live in a day and age where people believe that they are not worth or they do not deserve a life worth dying for they're, they don't they don't believe they're worth being healthy they don't believe that they should love themselves they don't believe that they should be in the rooms they're in that is the reality we have we've created a generation of people who think that they are less than because they don't match up to Kylie Jenner on Instagram. Like that's, that's the truth. Fucking Kylie Jenner. Right on. I think again, fascinating species. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I don't understand why that gets our attention. Like, I mean, if the internet has taught us anything, it is that more of our attention will go to a negative thing than something we like whether that is comments or whether that's trolls or anything else. And if we're showing the world in a data collectible sense that we'll spend more time looking at things that aggravate us than things that make us happy, why do you think the advertisers wouldn't play into this? Like, why wouldn't any of the media sources play into this? Their job is to keep you looking, not inform you. The job is to get you to watch the ad, not give you information. These are two very different fucking strategies. They're not an unbiased opinion there to give you knowledge. If they found out they would have longer viewership, like, like there's not an altruistic view of why they're sharing news on a media channel, right? Like if the job is to keep you watching longer, that's called entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so like know that that's everyone you're dealing with. Like, just know that that's the game before you watch it. And they would happily all air a blue screen with static and a screaming baby if it provided more, more views than what they're currently airing. They air this because we watch it. If we stop watching it, they change. This is our fault. The other thing that's our fault politically, they lie to us. Why? Because we told them we're too fucking stupid to handle the truth whenever you tell us because we'll panic. Look at toilet paper. It right? was a brilliant experiment. Right. And so past that, right? Like you, then, then my government says, you know, whatever with masks that you need masks and then later tell me, or sorry that you don't need them. And then later tell me you do. And we know that, but we need them to get the first responders and people first. And no, that's a virtuous reason to lie to me. But you lied to me. And the reason you lied to me is because you think I'm too fucking stupid to handle the information correctly, which we've proven we are. So why would they tell us the truth? This is our fault. How do you think we correct that? We all have to be accountable. Instead of being a victim. I mean, otherwise, the reality of like the longer thing of this situation is, let's say there is something catastrophic in the works, right? Like, let's say we know that a comet is going to hit Los Angeles in five days. 
no one's warned about that. Oh, God, no. You don't warn anyone. Because warning creates a problem on the front end, and then you have devastation, and then you have cleanup. It's really expensive. Because the front end's expensive. Whereas otherwise, you just have devastation and cleanup. You've eliminated a third of the expenses. Like, it's a fucking accounting decision that they'll make. It's cheaper. The same way we run our schools and education system. We do it this way because it's cheaper. You can't keep That's saying That's why we things. have the food that we have available Don't is because it's the me. cheapest. You are just, you're going to drive me into like a 20 minute tangent if you continue down this path. And I don't know that you're ready to go down there because in Canada, <laughs> we're not only there, we're about 12 to 18 months ahead of you mm. in a lot of the shit that is rolling downhill. Everyone forgets that we're your hat and we're on fire. Yeah, it's great. We're doing super. Look, every empire, to, you know, falls at some point. We fell a long time ago. I think the timeline was 2013 when Beijing started interfering with our elections. Mm. So that was fun. I don't know where I would put the finger on the U.S., but I don't know, somewhere between the rest of my country thinking octogenarians are the best bet for fucking running the show. America is a really fascinating place for me. Um, a lot of my business is in America. A lot of what I do, uh, organizations, people, blah, 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 is in America. Opportunity? Nowhere's better. Yeah, and everyone says there is none there. And that's another thing that blows my mind. <laughs> so great. Keep fucking believing it, everybody. I know, There's right? Plenty. We'll take As it all for you. that's a scarce resource. Yeah, that's Jesus still the Christ. conversation. I know. And so when you come down from, from here to America, I get an outside view on a lot of things in the United States. Um, and which most people don't pay attention to catch on or are aware of is that, like I said, we're ahead of you on a lot of these bills that you guys are implementing. We've already done it. We're screaming up here, but do you know why you're not hearing it? Bill C-11. We have an iron curtain. Yours is called the TikTok bill. So you guys are down and going down the same path. You just haven't solidified yet into it. We teach SOGI, sexual orientation and gender identification to kindergartners to grade 12. We've been doing it since 2018, but you don't hear about it. We currently set fires across Canada to make it look like we need everyone's help and then put out our firefighters and say they can't work, but we need everyone else to come help. But our firefighters are not allowed to do their job in the country. Like shit happens. It's all happening. People don't pay attention because if you pay attention to this, some people will break or they will drive inflation so high that you can't focus on anything but putting food on the table of your family and going to work to make sure that your unit is safe. They don't allow well, but, you to have capacity to think outside that, of these problems. That's the whole education system, right? Like it's all mirrored off of fucking Henry Ford. Absolutely. You know, bless on Henry Ford for creating the assembly line and figuring out how which America or Western culture for that matter, praise to the fucking God of capitalism. We are here to maximize fucking profits. That mm -hmm. is goal number one including on people. This is why the education system is built to make fucking, to play to the middle. We are teaching basic fucking skills. And as soon as you get the chance to go for higher education, I will lend you money to go educate yourself. Because what I'm banking on, since you can't ever default on it, is you will enter the labor force. I don't care if you found a thing you're into or not. I want you going to get a fucking job. Because now you're producing things, you're paying taxes. And as soon as that's comfortable, I'd like to hand you more money to buy a house because don't you deserve it 
Ah, and now we got you forever. Put off those fucking dreams and keep fucking swinging. I'm hopeful enough people listen to this episode to really hear how you don't have to do and live a life that you just illustrated. You don't have to do anything. I think people think they do, though. That's part of the problem. Well, so we're we're going back to what I talked about, right? Like, I don't believe good or bad. I don't believe right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So I believe that there's actions and consequences for my actions, and those are either favorable or unfavorable. That's Mm -hmm. it, depending on what my goals are. But like have to do a thing? Like the beauty of realizing you don't have to do shit is that everything I'm doing is my choice. And whether you want to believe it is or not doesn't change the fact that it is. Everything you're doing is your choice anyway. Nobody issued you that job you hate. We don't operate in a society that does that. That job you hate, you found that. You got yourself there. And whether that was because you created debt and you fell in line and did all the things, those choices. And it's choices that get you out of it. And you can either decide to start making some toward where you want to go or double down and lock in because, God, I've already invested five years into this job I already hate. I'll get, well, 35, I'll have time to do the thing I want. Not for me, man. I got no problem in hitting the detonate button if things ain't good. What is happening next with you and not dead yet? Um, We... You know, we put out new apparel pretty regular. Like, um, I like making stuff. So we drop something relatively new, probably three or four weeks out of the month. Um, mentorship group. Um, we've got a retreat or a hard reset retreat in October. Uh, it's October 20th through 23rd. I think I've got a speaking thing in February. Um, I imagine I'll probably go try to be part of another event in the meantime, probably probably do something with fit for service or something like that. I'd like to attend again. I like that. Oh, and all that's, that's kind of what's going on. I know I've got some travel. We talked about that a little bit and I glossed over it. Um, We offer some international trips with people. We work with a company Trova trip. And I know for me, like how big of an experience getting to see the world and other cultures has been. And I also understand how fucking wildly intimidating it is to decide to book your own flight to somewhere like Iceland. You don't know where to go. There's tons of stuff around it. Like I got lucky enough the first time I went was to compete. So I'm taken care of. But as I've been now a lot of times, like I know how important that travel is and that exposure. So we build these itineraries that we're interested in and they've varied everything from kind of posh luxury feel on, you know, trips to Iceland to we slept in tents for five nights in Alaska and got snowed on. So, I mean, I like doing both, you know, both my wife and I are into both styles of it. And I think this gives people this opportunity to come and be part of an experience and not let any of the stress of, I have to figure out what all we're doing to be part of it. And for me as well, like I'm not hosting this. I'm not there. Like guys see you at seven. Yeah. We have a host. I'm on a trip with you. That's cool. man. I like that. All the stuff we offer. Yeah. So notdeadyet.com and indywylife.com or notdeadyetlife.com. And then you put out a ton of stuff on your social media. I, I find those clips incredibly useful. I think they're fantastic you. how you do them. And um, if you're looking for bits of information that you haven't, you know, you're trying to dive into who this guy is and, and, and really just kind of learn. 
I think it's a really good representation of you. And I think it puts your best foot forward in terms of what you bring to society and those around you. Thanks. I really appreciate that. It feels very aligned with who I am currently. I don't think it uh, has the most engagement from the audience I've built as, as an athlete, but um, oh well. You'll find your tribe. You always will. That's I'll how it works. I'll concern myself right? with the people who raise their hand that are interested and not with those who don't. I love that, man. I wish more people thought that way. And I wish uh, sometimes I even thought that way. My God. Same. I'm saying that out loud for myself plenty too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rough one. Um, all right, my friend. I think that's it for this one. I, uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on. I've already got a, a, a very solid list of uh, topics, questions. Maybe it'll be a Patreon only episode because I feel like uh, I right. might get pulled on YouTube, homie. But um, can you give everyone your social? You said the website, but your yep. social, we'll put it in the bio as well. Is uh, Matthew P. Vincent and then not dead yet underscore brand, not dead yet underscore life. And then my podcast is uh, the not dead yet podcast which I highly recommend. It is one that you should be listening to on a regular basis. Like I said, go check him out. We'll put everything in the show notes. You stick with me. Everyone else, we'll see you all next week. Bye.